Hello, welcome back to another episode. <laughs> What was that? Uh, yeah, welcome back. It's episode eight. You're single. Yeah. Why is that? You're adorable. <laughs> You're entertaining for sure. You can also be a bitch. <laughs> I was actually really hoping to make Jay cry. Tell uh, me about your dead father. <laughs> oh, this is all I could have ever dreamed of. And yeah, I'm not judging. It's I'm gross. Just saying. It's weird. They didn't traumatize you? You don't talk about they that? They definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> you can't ask me that. <laughs> it's not that weird. So, yeah. It's episode eight. And that's pretty insane. Um, I always say thanks, but, you know, thanks again <laughs> for listening to the podcast at all. It's doing way better than I expected, even though I had no expectations necessarily my sensitive ass i can't make expectations too high because i just break my own heart time and time again so here we are life is good i'm good you're good how you doing um this week's guest i swear i must have blacked out while we did this interview because i was listening back to it doing the editing and whatnot and i was like oh my god this is a fantastic interview i did not realize how good it was of course it felt good talking to him but then like listening back to it i was like holy shit this is this is really good so I do have high expectations for this one because I really think you're going to love it. This guy and I were uh, kind of strangers going into this. We've known of each other for a little while, but um, this was the first time we actually met in person. He is a local musician here in Windsor. I'm just going to get right into it because his life is so interesting and so crazy that I think you're going to listen to it and go, wow, I really feel like I know this guy very intimately because he was very candid, very honest, and I very much appreciate him for that. So without further ado, I am very excited to present this week's guest. As I said, he is a musician. He is an awesome guy. He's hilarious. He is someone I think you're going you're gonna to like a lot. Please welcome to the show, Dave Nisbet. Welcome to the wild. The game show where we give our contestants some mass amounts of psychedelic drugs and have them complete a series of arbitrary tasks that I make up on the spot. Let's take a look at our contestants, shall we? Fantastic. Let's go ahead and jump right into the first round, where each player must build a working time machine using only Lego blocks. Begin. Way down in the Georgia sun, where the, where the beaches grow. Last name uh, Nisbet. Nisbet. Dave Nisbet. That's what I thought. Yeah, kind of yep. sounds like Biscuit. Biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> like like fucking Lim Biscuit. Lim Biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> That's what, I, what I'm thinking here. Yeah. And it's also great to meet you. Good to meet you as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we're gonna get deep real fast. Why not? Why not? Go ahead. Why not? Well, no, we'll start with some of the more basic questions. Actually, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to do this in kind of reverse order because what I usually do is I will do a whole interview with somebody and then at the end I will give them like quick questions. But because we don't know each other yeah. practically at all, yeah. what we'll do is I'll start with the quick questions and okay. then we'll move on from there. Cool. Sound cool? Yeah. Okay. So my first question that I'm going to ask you, Dave, yeah. is do you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? Oh, I am. I Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, I am definitely an, an introvert mm-hmm. uh, that really enjoys attention. It's weird. I know it's really hard, it's hard to explain that sort I get of thing. It. Yeah. But my favorite thing to do is to be by myself, listening to a podcast, and playing a game on my phone. Mm-hmm. Favorite thing to do. Sure. But I also enjoy going out and playing shows and then having everybody after the show going like, oh, that was great, or yeah. that was, that was all right, man. Like, 
anything like that is fine with me. Enjoy attention when I want it, I guess, is yeah. what it is. Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, everybody likes praise, right? And then yeah. attention, I shamelessly call myself an attention whore all the time. Right. I, I would be here if I wasn't. Well, I guess, yeah. And I think it's probably the same in music, too. Like, Absolutely. Well, if, you, if you're going up there and you're shy, especially for me, because I'm, I'm like the front man of, of both of my musical acts I'm, in, I'm involved with, two of the three, anyway. <laughs> you know, if you're going to be shy up there, you're gonna be looking at your shoes the whole time. Yeah, they're not gonna connect with you, yeah, right? Yeah, you have to connect with the crowd, right? Yeah. But like, but live on stage, like you know, you're looking at somebody who's either rocking out to music or being sad about this, the song you're playing. As I play some sad songs, <laughs> and um, I recently started looking in their eyes too, and you connect, and they, they become part of the show with you. Yeah, right. So if you're not the guy going like, "Look at me, I'm looking at you." Yeah. They're going to be like, okay, that was an okay band. And they'll forget about you. Yeah, yeah. Right? And like this, being in radio or being on TV or whatever, mm-hmm. you have to be the guy going like, you want to look at me. Yeah, you want to hear me. Or else why am I here? Yeah. Well, actually, something that I value now is learning to be just as interested in other people as I feel I am interesting. Right. And um, I feel like through radio, working in radio, I feel blessed that for so long, I feel like I was like, pay attention to me. I have interesting things to say. You right. know what I mean? Right. And this is just like pure honesty. And so now that I have this, this, I guess, platform, now the podcast is like, well, I want to talk to people who don't have as much of a shameless opportunity to say I'm interesting and listen to what I have to say. Because sure. everybody is interesting and, and that has just like stuck with me and okay. that's why I want to interview people and hear about what makes them interesting. Even people who think they're not interesting, they 100% are. Well, they have something for sure. Yeah, everybody uh, has something. Sort of like, I forget sometimes that people can't just make music. Yeah. Like not, not everybody can just like make a song up. Yeah. Like on the spot, like it won't be good, but it'll be a song still. <laughs> it'll be something. I, I, some people can't even play a chord on a guitar. Yeah. Right. And like to, to that person, it might be might be amazing to them. Yeah. Because they can't do it themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. I understand that fully. So you say you can write music really, really fast. Do you have a song that's out that was like a really short, easy to come up with one? Um, yeah, actually. And it's the one that I think I'm not saying people know it, but like mm-hmm. if people did know any of my songs, it'd be this one. Okay. That's a song called Scared. And that one I wrote literally as long as the song is, is how long it took to write it. Interesting. Like, I, but, you know, on guitar, I just, just did it. And I had a song. Damn. Good like, for you. you. Know, with this podcast being about mental health, kind of, sort mm-hmm. of, in, in ways. It's a song about that. It's actually about my uh, my generalized anxiety disorder because mm-hmm. I'm scared of everything. Okay. Right? Believe me, I, I was terrified of walking into this building. <laughs> what is So you say that you have this anxiety disorder. What did you say it was? Generalized anxiety disorder. Okay. Um, it's like, so there there are many different versions of anxiety, yeah. right? I'm sure but there's tons. There's yeah. a bunch. Yeah. There's a bunch, right? Yeah. Um, you sort of have all of them, but in varying levels. It's mm-hmm. Is my understanding of how that works. Meaning that yeah. you have a lot of varying degrees of anxiety towards different situations and in different right. environments, I guess. Is there one in particular that's really bad for you or? Um, yeah, it's uh, like financial. It's a weird, it's, it's like ah. a financial thing. Always worried about if I'm going to have enough money for this or, you know, if my debt's going to get too high. Sure. That sort of stuff. There may not be a specific name for that. It might be lumped in with something else. Sure. But I definitely say like the the future is a scary thing. Is for it kind of like a doom thing? Like like yeah, yeah. I, I feel like um, I've talked to a lot of people who have a anxiety towards the future in general, or just feelings of like cynicism towards like getting older or anything like that, because they think that we're doomed and like especially this generation monetarily and stuff like that. We're right. kind of screwed from the get go. Yeah. And uh, it's wild how it's like universal, but it doesn't feel universal. It feels very no, it, personal. No, it feels very like singled out towards us. Yeah, it seems anyway. I yeah. mean, it's it's sort of like this thing. I've been saying this for a while now. Like we were, I'm assuming we're generally the same age. I'm, sure. I'm 31, and I feel like we we're sold this dream. You know, like you get a job at Chrysler or Ford or something, and then mm-hmm. you get the dream. Mm-hmm. You know, you get the house, you get the kids, you get the cars, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you know, you live your life like that until you retire at like 45, and then mm-hmm. you're good for the rest of your life. And then we get out here and we go, oh, I graduated high school until. 2008, right? So that was right when that 
sure. that recession happened or that yeah. depression. It might even be a depression. And I was like, oh, cool. Um, so now what? Yeah. <laughs> what does this mean for me? What does this mean for me? Like, how, yeah. am I gonna, how am I going to live my life? But then the next generation, Gen Zers, I guess, they were raised with the, there's nothing secured. There's nothing solid. There's sure. nothing concrete. Yeah. So get used to that. And they yeah. did. Yeah. Like if, if you look at any of these kids in that generation, they're so confident. Mm. Yeah. Just whatever they feel is right to them. And that's oh, so amazing. Sure. I wish I had that. Sure. A, a lot of people of my generation and older might be like, Oh, these damn kids, and they're so yeah. smug. Good. Be smug. Yeah. Go out there and get what you need. Because unfortunately, you know, my generation and older were taught to just follow the what the leaders say. Yeah. And then you're going to get what you need in life. Not now. Yeah. Not now. Yeah, I think it's interesting um, also the, I, I guess, like awareness of trauma and psychology and stuff. Something that I have been paying attention to lately is um, how many people are like kind of self-diagnosing themselves with all mm. of this different stuff. Yeah. And uh, to an extent, it's wonderful because at least they are aware of certain conditions, certain circumstances and reasons why they might be the way that they are. Sure. We are able to kind of sit back and say, wow, our parents made the decisions they did because of trauma, shame, yada, yada. Like, like we can at least have an understanding of that yeah. when maybe they didn't have it in their time. But then again, I'm sure my mom can also sit back and say, yeah, my mom, my grandma now made the decisions she did because of this and this and this in her life. Right. And uh, I have a lot of faith in like future generations being aware of real mental issues. And obviously we're already at a place where like we're trying to destigmatize it. Sure. But now what I'm finding, and I, I don't mean to be negative, but I'm finding that this whole like there's a stigma around mental health, like that's becoming the stigma. The whole like we're just throwing the word stigma left and right and yeah. it's just – I'm going way off track. No, no, but no. But it's interesting to just just see the progression of like awareness. But yeah. I think like awareness is maybe going too far, is what I mean. And in, in terms of people thinking that they can watch a TikTok and all of a sudden they're diagnosed with ADHD or something like that. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and that's something I've been saying too for a bit now is that like it's almost becoming trendy to be yeah. mentally ill. It's like, hey, listen, if I could choose to not be this way, I would choose not yeah. to. And if you're going to self-diagnose and stuff, then you have to be responsible for making sure that this isn't a continuous thing. Like diagnosis isn't just a diagnosis and you walk away. Like now you no. got to do the work. <laughs> no, exactly. What are you doing to fix that? Yeah. Or do you want to just sit in it? Because if, yeah. if you truly were, you wouldn't want to sit in it because you didn't choose that, mm -hmm. right? This isn't everybody. This really isn't. No, it's kind of just a select group of people that I've been uh, maybe paying attention to. People in my own life, to be yeah, honest. And it's, uh, it's just hard to like feel as though you have... You can talk about your real issues among people who are pushing the idea of having real issues. Because it's so di diluted now. It's yes. so so now there's so much saturation of these people, whether they, whether it's real or not. Now, if you actually truly are mentally ill, then get help. Yeah, right. It, it's hard, and I really do have uh, try and be as mindful as I can. I, I, like my grandfather committed suicide. I've been aware of it since I was a kid. So like mental issues have always been something that it's like, no, you take that seriously. Well, yeah, absolutely. And and that, that actually goes, goes back to what we we're talking about earlier um, with the whole like generations getting better at understanding mental health. So your grandfather's generation, you stuff that down. Oh, totally. You, uh, as opposed to talking about it, because if you talk about it, then you're a wuss. Our generation got better. We were told that like, you know, okay, get help, but like maybe do it in private. Sure. You know, but now the Gen Zers, it's like, no, be open about it. Yeah. Be yourself. Yeah. If you got a problem then then maybe take a day off work this is a really dumb example but uh have you seen the batman the one that just came out actually i was going to last night but then it, it got rained out we we're at the drive-in so oh shit yeah that sucks okay well i've seen it twice an example in that movie there's this like it's not a spoiler but there's this big idea that 
Bruce Wayne's mom was like in a mental facility and so like through the mayoral campaign they had to like stuff it down this is not gonna make sense to anybody who doesn't whatever but it was just like this whole idea of like your father was trying to protect you know your mother from the media because they found out she was in a mental institution and now it's like why would that need to be you know covered up it's like but I mean this was a different time when whatever it's just it's so it's a stupid example I mean I'm a I'm a Twilight kid so that was very important to me (laughs) that's why I've seen it twice okay so um another question (laughs) this isn't a uh, quick question are you close with your family or your parents this is gonna get deep yeah (laughs) um so my family is is an interesting one um (laughs) in many ways i can tell that by the neck tattoos (laughs) yeah yeah, yep there's only a certain kind of person wants a neck tattoo so um my uh my dad is mentally handicapped actually um from from birth uh he he won't progress basically past the age of 14 so it's like i have like a little brother basically for a father um and actually it was kind of funny because when i was 14 because we were carbon copies of each other like i am my dad's kid there's no way to fight that sure um you look exactly the same but when when i was 14 we have a lot of fights because it's like two 14 year olds in the house sure yeah right it's all testosterone and and and, you know um, and i'm sure it's it's probably really complicated to be 14 and have to process you know have to process being now the man of the house yeah right exactly all of a sudden out of nowhere because like up to that point you think oh i I got a dad and a mom Mm -hmm. not realizing you got a mom and a brother, basically. Yeah. Uh, and then my, my mother, uh, around that time, because of how things were going, um, she started drinking pretty heavily. Mm. Um, I don't see her that much anymore, so it's um, it, it's hard to tell if she is anymore. But so I have an alcoholic mother and a, and a mentally handicapped father. Wow. Um, that is a like an HBO show. It sure is. It <laughs> sure is. Um, I have a brother. I wear everything on my sleeve. Sure. I, my emotions are out there. Like yeah. when I'm having a shit day, you know it. Like Eeyore. Your mm-hmm. emotions are front life, and center. Life is sucks. <laughs> like you know, and then but then when I'm having a good time, it's it's obvious too. Yeah. Right. It's out there. I'm goofy, wacky. You know, whatever. Yeah. My brother though, everything rolls off his back. Doesn't matter what happens to him. He's like, yeah, whatever. Move on. Life uh, moves on. So is he older or younger than you? Younger. Younger. younger okay. Yeah. Three years younger than me. Okay. Um, he's a great dude, man. And, and like he started to get you know the the fat that comes from the certain side of the family, and <laughs> he's like, nah. Started working out. Where I'm like, I'm getting fat. <laughs> Yeah. Sure. So he, if he has a problem with something, he'll either do something about it or just choose not to invest in it. Yeah. It's actually it's it's perfect. Like I'm yeah. very proud of him for that. He's a he's a great kid. He's a not a kid anymore. He's until he's an adult. <laughs> Even though I still call him Mikey, I probably should probably stop calling him Mikey. And he's he's moving on with his life and he's doing a good time. He's having yeah. a good time. But he stayed in a lot longer than I did. So I, huh. um, I left my parents' house. I left I left about seventeen eighteen. Okay. Ish, but I, I left on bad terms. Mom had a fit of being drunk and uh, and I just couldn't handle it anymore. So I'll, I'll just leave. So I left, went to my Nana's house, which is where my brother lives currently, um, with my dad, because my parents split up last year. Last uh, year? Last year, yeah. Wow. And can I ask uh, what made your, I don't want to say what made your mom stay or what made your dad stay too, because it sounds like it was just an interesting um, concoction there, but why did they break up recently as opposed to at any other point? Um, I think because, they're, I think they were staying together because of my, me and my brother, but like, sure. you know, we're, I mean, I'm 30 yeah. 31, right? So, yeah. like, and when my mom called me telling me that they're getting they're getting divorced, I go, it's for the best. Yeah, it's for the best yep. because <laughs> because basically all she was doing was was taking care of a kid. Sure. Right. In a way, like she's not necessarily a marriage, though. You know, well, it's a partner. Yeah. And I'm I'm somebody who tries to be fair, right? So I can go listen. Although I have my problems with drinking, I'm not going to demonize everything you do. So, Good like, 
you do what you need to do for yourself. Yeah. If that makes your, your life better, then do it because that means that maybe you'll stop drinking and maybe we can have yeah. a, a relationship. It's again. a big change. It's a big and, change. And that can be a great catapult for good things. Right, exactly. So now my, my dad lives with, with, with his mom. My brother takes care of both of them basically because my, my nana is up in their late 80s and she's doing a lot for them. And I try to help as much as I can, but I, sure, know, I'm sure. a busy guy and then I hate that. So there's that. Uh, my dad's side comes from, from England. He was born in England. Um, came over here when he was about 11, 12. Mm-hmm. My mom's side is from Essex, Ontario. Ah, like, me too. So, so nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, they, they grew up in a trailer park. Mm-hmm. Very trailer park life. I grew up in a trailer park too. Nice, In nice. McGregor, actually. But McGregor. anyway, proceed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so both sides sort of didn't like either side because of the look, like, you know, the way it looked on the sure, outside. Sure, sure, right? sure. Because yeah. the British, from what I know from being around British people so much, they like to pretend to be posh or, yeah. or upscale. Proper. Proper. To an extent, I understand. No matter what you do, you, you could be a, a, a guy working in a tool shop, mm-hmm. but you on, on the weekends when your guests come over, you make sure you have those proper china, yeah. the proper china, the tea out, set, the... the tea set, and you and you talk about the politics of what's happening, right? Sure. Even the, all this pomp and circumstance, but like, but you're you're just a tool worker. Just be yourself, man. Yeah. But they, they can't. It's just something that's ingrained in them, I right? Understand. So we have that side. You know, the other side, which is all trailer park people who are – nothing against trailer park people, but, like, no, I, I I'm half a trailer park person, yeah. so I can talk about this kind of stuff. Yes, you can, and I feel the same way. That's why when I, like, people say, like, trailer trash, I'm like, trailer trash isn't even – offensive if you've been in a trailer park because you there, know it's it's a fucking society in its it. own yeah like, like where trailer park boys it's kind of real no it's very real right two liters of pop and like no name chips are a currency they are like for real yeah don't the, you don't don't i don't know about <laughs> essex trailer park because again i was a mcgregor trailer park kid which is like even i don't want to say less than but it's different from essex trailer park sure. essex trailer park is posh to us but um mcgregor trailer park was like the pool that they had there because we had a yeah. community pool it was like the breeding ground for like bacteria and crazy do you know how many how much blood was in the pool other human parts and things in the pool it was not parts parts, but i found an arm (laughs) it was just insane there's always an ambulance around it was just wild i had a neighbor when i was uh, trying to sell chocolate for school readathon or whatever the hell it was and i went and knocked on his name was old man bill and if you're from mcgregor you know old man bill i don't think he's still alive to be honest but he was a very angry man and we knocked on his door my stepbrother and i we were trying to say like, hey, we're selling chocolates, but he wouldn't come out. So instead we're like, you know what? We were so dumb. We were like, we're going to buy him a chocolate bar. We're going to oh, nice. pay $2 and we're yeah. going to give him a chocolate bar for free. So we went to put it in his mailbox and he came out screaming. And we were like probably <laughs> eight and he was raging. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? Blah, 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 blah. And we're like, we're trying to be nice. And, and it was just so dumb. And we ran home and that was just in it. Like old man Bill was a figure, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he yeah. was a staple. He was an icon, if you will. But yeah, I, I think they tore his house down and it's a new one now oh yeah boy. yeah trailers was... are profitable as hell right now yes they are oh my god yes, they are. i mean as somebody who just bought a house like yeah. we were looking at trailers too we're like well, maybe we can't afford it if you don't get your trailer and we're like wow even trailers are crazy insane right now even yeah. trailers man like, yeah, it's a trailer give it's, me a break i know i know it's a house that can move if you need it to yeah <laughs> it's still, yeah it's crazy okay so your parents uh, your relationship with your family is i mean it seems to be you accept it for what it is yeah and that's kind of a beautiful thing that's that's through therapy though through many years of therapy yeah. I've, I've been in therapy to uh, since I was 13. Mm-hmm. So uh, not the same person, of course. I think I've had 14 or 15 different ones. Oh, my, Lanta. I've landed on, not, not at the same time, but I've, I've <laughs> landed on this guy, uh, Dr. Andrew Taylor. Sure, shout out. Shout out. Um, <laughs> shout out Paragon. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so I've been with him for about off and on 10 years. Yeah. And uh, he's helped me a lot with that kind of stuff, uh-huh. um, with accepting who those people are and, and go like, 
yes, they may upset you, but they are your family. You don't have to be around them. Sure, yeah. They are just people. Yeah. Um, but you have to accept that they are your family. Yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, and they're, they're going to want to see you. Yeah. So, yeah, so we have that Trailer Park side and that Posh side <laughs> that are just trying to fight each other constantly, right? <laughs> like, I know how to put a suit together, right? Suits? From that, yeah, yeah. From that, from that Posh side. I also really enjoy being in sweats yeah. and flip-flops and going to the Walmart. Yeah, there's something you, that feels so good about sitting on your front porch drinking in the middle of the day, oh, you know? Oh, doesn't, <laughs> doesn't it feel great? Oh, it's amazing. Oh, oh and just, like a good like trailer park yard sale, that will always yeah. be in me. Oh my gosh, Halloween in a trailer park? For oh, real, for best real. thing in my life. I, there's so many good things about them. Oh. <laughs> you know, like, you know, I really do enjoy when, when a, a girl is done up in a nice dress and everything like that. But also when they got dirty feet and dirt on yeah. their fingernails, I'm like, that's pretty cute too. Right. Right. So it's like, you know, I, I have both sides within me, but both sides just could not mesh. They just did not sure. like each other. They're but, not good. They're like oil and water. It's okay. It really is. Yeah. It really is. It's, it's tough. It's tough sometimes, but yeah. uh, I have a kind of strained relationship with most of them. Um, my Nana is my angel. Mm. I love that woman so much. That's good. With everything, and, and if, if my grandma was still alive, my, my, my mom's mom, I'd also same thing. Yeah, they they were the ones who raised me to be a proper human being. Yeah. Um, uh, prior to that therapy, I would I was an absolute piece of shit. <laughs> uh. But you know what? It's very very important. I think in like true progress to admit that like there were parts of your life that you mm. shame is a, a subject that like I actually I was just talking about it in the last interview is it's mm. shame for so long was something that I was afraid to feel and right. I didn't realize that I was going through life truly trying to avoid ever feeling real guilt or shame about the things that I've done or said or whatever right. or the way I was raised or anything like that and it wasn't until a couple of years ago when I before I was here I was working at a marketing agency that yeah made me a different person. They were just really, really terrible and expected you to reform to become really terrible. So when I all of a sudden was sitting with my friends and, and my best friend, Nuseba, is telling me about uh, something stressful going on in her life and I wanted to turn to her and say, shut the fuck up, you have no idea what I'm going through right now at work. That was when I said, I do not like who I am right now mm -hmm. because these are people I love and I knew it. I was turning into somebody terrible and I was treating the people that I love terribly. And it was, you know, not just because of the job, but uh, I was like, this is shitty. So I started going to cognitive behavioral therapy, which CBT. didn't, it didn't prove to be super effective for me. Really? Well, the main thing I got out of it and I, it was for free. So this was great. And nice. it was in my doctor's office and I didn't really like my doctor in the first place. But wow. um, she had said, go see our cognitive behavioral therapist. And I went and saw her. We tried hypnosis, which was amazing. Yeah. She did help me realize things like some real moments of clarity, like the shame thing. She was asking me to like run through a scenario in which my boss had made me feel like really anxious in the moment because sure. I couldn't walk into like the doctor's office without immediately bursting into tears for some reason. Wow. Like it was very strange. I was very That's anxious. A heavy reaction. Yeah. It, and like not even for anything that had to do with like my emotions or mentally. It was like for other stuff, I would just walk in and start bawling and being like, I need somebody to help me. Yeah. So anyway, she, I started seeing this girl and I was running through a scenario where um, I said, yeah, my boss would walk in and I would, and, and you know, this is the scenario. And she would say, well, how would it make you feel when she said this? And I was like, ashamed. And then all of a sudden I just kept saying shame, 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 like over and over again. And then I was like, why is this such a reoccurring thing? And then I started to really, really think about it and really kind of carry out my life with that in mind. And like, why am I so afraid of feeling shame? And then the moment I had the chance to get out and do this, I, I ran for it. And yeah. now I have an opportunity to talk about shame and understand shame. And I started reading books about it. And uh, there's this one book called The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown, okay. which Brene Brown is like a like a Southern white lady. And she's like, you know, she's really phenomenal. And this book totally changed my life and my relationship with shame. And, and there was a real uncomfortable period of 
coming to terms with your shame where you have to acknowledge all of the things you've done and said. And I will be laying in bed all of a sudden and remember something, some something I said on the school bus yeah. that was, you know, derogatory or something like that. Sure. But it is so necessary if you want to be free of shame. Well, you, it, it, with anything that you've done in your life, yeah. you, you have to face it. Yeah. If, you if you don't face it, then you're not going to get rid of it. Yeah. Right? Not even get rid of it. Like when it comes to shame, like that's something you've done in the past. Mm-hmm. You have to acknowledge you did it. And if it ever comes up again, like that person comes to you and be like, hey, when in grade school, remember that time? And yeah. you, you get to go like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. It's like, I'm like, I've already dealt with it. Shut up. Like, you know, yeah, yeah, like, exactly. And that's that's what I mean is I, I now pick up on a lot of people who are just like very much trying to avoid having to feel guilt for certain things. And right. you feel it. And it's all you can do. And the whole point of this podcast is just to talk about the things that maybe have made you a little bit uncomfortable or mm. moments of, of whatever. Yeah. Okay. So your family, <laughs> <laughs> right. so you're, you have this relationship with your family. It sounds like you are in the process of really making the best of it. Trying. You got to accept people for who they are at face value yeah. and not who you want them to be. Absolutely. And, uh, that's a, a beautiful message. Another question I have for you. Are you religious or spiritual at all? No. No, not in the slight. I'm an atheist. Yeah, I am a flat out atheist. Okay. Um, another little piece of the interesting pie here. My dad's side is, is all atheist, but they're British. So they don't talk about it. Really? So they're, they're like religion. Is, don't talk about religion in polite conversation. You do not bring up two things, politics or religion, because mm-hmm. it's all about have a good time. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, sidebar. Uh, my my girlfriend's Dutch, like from Holland. I'm Dutch, too. Well, no way. Yeah. Yeah, Rubers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, with, the, with the two O's. That's, My dad yeah. is a first generation immigrant. Nice. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So she's she's from there. She was born there and came over no here. No way. So. Nice. I would love to talk to her. That's so well. We'll, we'll you, figure it out. We'll yeah. figure it out. <laughs> um, but anyway, the Dutch are very straightforward, as you probably know. Yeah. If they will tell you how they feel about you or about something. Doesn't matter. Like I'm getting used to because the British opposite. Like <laughs> so, the, the way I've sort of put it into into a nice little quip, the Dutch, if you offer them a plate of food, they don't want. It. They go, I don't, I don't want that. Yeah. That's not, that's not for me. Yeah, I don't want yeah. that. Uh, you could be cutting off a British person's arm and they go, it's okay. Just please finish. Please. Do, could you could you finish quicker? It's okay. fine. It's fine. You just keep doing that. Yeah. Right. It's like yeah. they're just so polite. They're they don't, don't want to, you know, like it's, yep. it's so, it's a different world. So it's always about just not rocking the boat. Sure. So for myself, um, I, I grew up born again Christian. I'm not sure if you know what that is. Uh, it's a branch of Christianity, which is a branch of Catholicism, cousin of Catholicism, um, that <laughs> it's... I'll say it. It's a cult. I got in a lot of fights on Facebook about this kind of stuff. Okay. This version of, of Christianity is a cult. Really? Um, and uh, they might come kill me. That's fine. <laughs> I don't care. Um, yeah, yeah. Don't but, say your address. <laughs> yeah. So we were we were in there for a long time. It was my my mom's side that got us in there because it was that same church they went to. Mm-hmm. And we were in there, and um, it was like a lot of – you had to pay, if I remember correctly, it was like a quarter or a half of your paycheck every week. Whoa. In tithing, we were dead broke, right? Sure. One person working, right? Yeah. Um, as we're leaving the church every time, every Sunday and, and Wednesday, we'd go twice a week. Wow. Um, we'd be trying to push start our Ford Escort, you know, uh-huh. to go home and make hopefully make some frozen fish sticks out of the fridge uh-huh. while the pastors are walking out in their $8,000 suits getting their Bentleys to go have dinner at the cake, right? Where it's like, yeah. how is this? How are you helping us? Yeah. You're not helping us at all. Yeah. Um, and is that what they, they promise? I, I mean, I'm sure they promise so many things, but they promise help. They promise. Well, they, they say that, that if you give this money to God, they say it's for God, sure. for, for God to choose what to do with, mm-hmm. then you will be promised a spot in heaven, right? Well, yeah, don't laugh. Go ahead and laugh. I mean, it's just uh, the idea of like reserved seating or something. Yeah, it's <laughs> like I, I paid pay, pay for this spot on this golden road, <laughs> on this like, road made of gold. Right. Like just 
and again, you know what? Anybody who's Christian, I'm, you can believe if you want to. I'm not saying sure. it's wrong to believe that kind of stuff. I yeah. just don't. I find it so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 a bedtime story. Yeah. So you're not scared of death anymore, yeah. right? Because I was Christian up until I was 18. I can't be a part of this. Huh. So I'm, I left. I said, this is it. I'm done. I'm done and with And when you left, was it like a big thing? Or was it kind of just like a, a clean exit? Or um, So it, it was a clean exit, but it wasn't because... Um, like they they wanted me to go or whatever. It was when I was a kid, I was in Sunday school as you do, mm-hmm. and uh, well, my parents were in mass, the, the main mass, mm-hmm. um, and I would brought in Pokemon cards. Uh oh. And uh, so I'm sitting there with them, looking at them, going, oh, Pikachu. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, teacher goes, David, what do you have? And I go, Pokemon cards. Because <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I don't know. my mom <laughs> gave them to me, and she's a Christian one. So what do you want me to do? Oh my. So I go, okay. And she goes, come in front of the class. I go, okay. This one's right Show and tell. Yeah. Uh, Rhyhorn's right here. He's pretty cool. He's got a strong attack here. Um, but, you know, so I get to the front of the class and they, and they go, class, listen, attention, attention. David has brought in demons to the church. Oh, my God. And I go, what? These fictional cards with these fictional characters? Is this not proof that this is the equivalent of? This like... is, no, this is, this is Pidgeotto. He's a bird. <laughs> so, okay. so, the, so then she uh, uh, could go, oh, What? <laughs> And then and then I'm yeah okay and then she goes, do you know what Pokemon stands for? And I go, oh no, no, monsters in your pocket. And I go, <laughs> okay, okay. So then we were our f- whole family was banished from the church. They said, get out, you can't come back because of a po- because, because of Pokemon, Pokemon cards. cards. Yeah. So, and how old were you here again? Ah, uh, so I must have been maybe nine, ten. Oh my, Lanta. Yeah. Oh my. Maybe Lanta. even eight. I was I was a, I was a young kid. I was okay. A young kid. So. Parents like, okay, I guess we're not gonna go back to that church. So we didn't go to church for a while. My, my dad went to went to New Song Church for a while just okay. to have a church to go to. Sure. Because my dad liked to go to church, even though he came from an atheist family. But then when I was eighteen, um, my uncle, who still goes there, I think to this day, um, asked me to go for their Christmas service sure. one year. Yeah. I was eighteen, um, so I said okay, and I said, listen, God, if you're real, if you're real, sure. Because I was still, I was like agnostic then. I was like, I'm not sure anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're real. I will get baptized because I wasn't, I wasn't baptized. So I'll get baptized today or asking if anyone's get baptized. I said, if I get baptized today, will you get rid of my anxiety? Because I had ter- I still do have terrible anxiety. Sure. Um, and uh, and I said, so we'll do this. If you get rid of this stuff, I'll be a I'll be a God fearing Christian for the rest of my rest of my life. I don't care. Oh my! I'll be that person on the corner going, God saves. Yeah. Because because I, if, if that happens for real, then it's real. It's proof of the. It's proof, right? Proof of God. So I'm yeah. giving you this ultimatum. I know that you're God and all, but come on. So then, as I'm going to get into this, you know, the lost and found clothes they put you in so that you can go in the pool. So I, I go to the pastor who's going to do it. I go, hey, is this going to work? And he goes, Absolutely work. Whatever you pray for, pray for something right now. And I go. God, get rid of my anxiety. He goes, he'll get rid of your anxiety. Uh-huh. He'll get rid of you. You're not Southern. You're from Windsor. Yeah. <laughs> he'll get rid of your anxiety. He puts me in the water and takes me up. And he goes, okay, now go on. And he goes to go the person, get out of here. Like, you know, but, okay. We got a train of kids coming. Go yeah. They're, they're like, and David has been saved. And I'm like, have I? I just, I just feel wet. I don't yeah. feel saved at all. So. Uh, this is fascinating. So then, you know, so then I, I'm like, okay, cool. Here we go. Oh, I'm still terrified. Got it. So then I, it wasn't like the next day. I still gave a little bit of time. But I'm like, it's not anything. Yeah. It's not anything. And then also, why'd you give me a dad that's mentally handicapped? 
yeah, actually, I think it was my mom and I who were talking about this the other day. And she said something about like, I just don't understand how people can use like religion to be hateful or something like that. And I was like, yep, valid, totally valid. I said, but I also understand how people need to hold on to something. Like they need hope. Some people yeah. need hope, especially when it comes to death. And this is the, the other side to this. Um, and we were talking about this. I'm like, and you also have to think about these people who like, during the Holocaust and like in these concentration camps who right. had it all scrawled on the wall, like if God is real, we wouldn't be here or something like that. And, and that kind of stuff. I understand every single aspect of this in terms of I understand why people need hope and I mm -hmm. understand why people absolutely despise um, religion. And, you know, it actually comes back to shame in a lot of ways and in, in mm -hmm. the way that um, you are taught how to be through shame yeah. and, and stuff. But there yeah. are also these people who are so progressive in terms of religion and we have like transgender pastors. Like we have sure. people who are, you know, all that kind of stuff. And you, you have to respect it all. Um, but I also understand how if you are paying into something and you are not you seeing results yeah, yeah <laughs> you're gonna get frustrated uh okay so obviously you don't really believe in heaven and hell no do you believe in true love hmm yes yeah yes I, I believe but it's not this like one person out there that is like your soulmate and you're meant to meet them mm -hmm. i don't think it's that um sorry mel <laughs> i know that you probably believe that but i don't um <laughs> It's just because if that was true, then how come everybody meets that person in their, in their same town? Mm -hmm. Out of the seven or eight, close to eight now billion, billion people, people on, the, on the planet, yep. that one person had just happened to be in your town as well? Mm -hmm. It just so happens? Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. I think that, that true love is born from a lot of work, from a, from a lot of trusting that person with your heart. It sounds kind of lame. No, but, it's not lame. But like, you know, trusting that person to, to not hurt you. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Trust that is gained over time. Mm -hmm. Right. So like you start off maybe as friends or if you want to go right into it, it's fine too. But you start off as friends and then you learn that you're fun together. You hang out, you have a good time. And that's yeah. where you start to love. And then you love that person as a friend. And then you love the person as a, as a, as a partner. Sure. And then from there, you, you can then make true love. Sure. I think true love does not come from, you know, a meet cute. Yeah. A yeah. meet cute can, is a nice story within your true love, but it's not your true love. It's not, you don't love at first sight. I don't sure. think it's a real thing. Uh, infatuation or lust at first sight is definitely a thing. Sure. But love at first sight, you, you gain love. Mm -hmm. Love is something that is hard earned, mm -hmm. right? You, you earn love hard. So I, I think true love is real, but it's not this like movie fairy tale thing. It's, sure. it's actually something that you do a lot of work to keep mm -hmm. and keep up. It's, it's, it's like, like a house or a car. You, you got to put work into it. If you don't take care of yeah. the maintenance, if you don't take care of the thing, then it's going to die. Like a plant, I guess a flower is better. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, Sorry, Mel, you're just a flower. <laughs> my, you're, you're just a dumb flower. You were a car, but now you're a flower. <laughs> you know what? It's, it's like, it's like keeping a necklace shiny. I don't know. I, you know what? I understand what you're saying. And I think that, um, Maybe soulmates versus true love are maybe two separate things that you're thinking here. Yeah. Um, because I, I have said this before, too, even on the podcast, that I think that there's, like, soul people where mm. they are not necessarily romantic. They can be some – like, I have some friends where I'm like, this is – you and me are, you know, yeah. of – a something like we are made of the same something you know yeah. you and I are just what we are and it doesn't have to be romantic and I think you're lucky if you end up with those kind of people in your life yeah and like sometimes you you know right away if you and that person are on the same wavelength and sometimes you learn or you build it up together and and uh but no this whole uh, soulmates eh, soul people I kind of I, sure. I think and I agree with you I think true love is not something that you just like 
look up and you see someone and you lock eyes and you're like, oh, yeah. this is it. This is love. Because no. I think the thing, and we've talked about this so much on the podcast, is that so many people want to get into such serious adult relationships so fast. So they want to immediately be saying, like, I love you. I trust you with my life yeah. and this and that. But it's like you, if you're not really knowing the person, if you're not going on vacation with them, if you're not seeing what it's like to yeah. live with them you and stuff, yeah, then that's not you, – yeah. you do have to build it up. And I've been – I've done that so many times, tried to force these relationships into being – this big grand adult like thing and then they mm. burn out just as fast as they started yeah yeah because yeah, because you're starting something that doesn't want to be that in the first place yeah or it just wasn't meant to be and like that's yeah. fine and, and that's that's fine too yeah that's something that you, that you learn through also the hard work of uh being in relationships than them not working yeah you learn that sometimes you just aren't right for somebody yeah or you're right for somebody when you started and you're not now yeah right like uh like the girl i dated before bell it was like it started off great we were actually like perfect for each other mm-hmm. but then as we grew older we just yeah. Went in different paths, and that yeah. was it. She realized first, of course, and she was like, "Yeah, we're done." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah I guess you're right." <laughs> you know? I'm sure there was more to it than that, but I understand. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, that's 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 part of it too. Yeah, yeah. You live and you learn, and that's really important. Um. Oh, this is a good question. If you had the option to know the date and the circumstances of your death, would you want to? Oh, that's crazy. That's that a crazy is question. interesting. Yeah. The date, sure, mm-hmm. but the circumstance, I don't know. Um. <laughs> yes. I'll, yeah. just, I'll just say yes because then I can plan. I can go like, okay, I have this much time left. Yeah, you know, if it's if it's like car accident, be like I won't drive for a while. <laughs> you know, like, but the, the thing but is, you have to with this kind of thing. It's like you are still going to die in that manner, even if yeah. you try to avoid it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're causing some ripple in the universe or something oh, like man. that. I'd be terrified the rest of my fucking life, but I'd, I'd want to know. Sure. I really don't think I would. No? I, no. I think there's a lot of things that um, we don't need the answers to. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I think that it's maybe better to pursue your life to find the answers, but be okay with never actually getting them. Okay. Yeah. It's like accepting an apology you never got, you know? Accepting an apology you never got. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's a new lesson for me. Whatever. Um, okay. Let's see if we <laughs> can work that in deep a... stuff. I know. Okay. So... So you're a musician, of yes. course. You you like to make music. You like to be on stage and do that kind of stuff. Yeah, which is very exciting. Is there anything yeah. that you have coming up? Is there anything you want to plug? Um, okay, your music. Um, yeah. So um, I run a, uh, a sort of DIY label. Again, we don't. It's not an official label. It's not an actual business. Sure. I just call it a label because it's yeah, legally a bunch throw of, that in. <laughs> yeah. So don't come at me because it's, it's a company with the same name in Miami. I'm not a legal company, so if you want your name, you can have it. Um, but anyway, I run a label called uh, Narrowgate Media. So we've got my solo stuff, mm-hmm. uh, DTB, Dave the Bassist, because I was a bass player at one time. I'm not anymore, though. Sure. Um, I just put an EP out called Junior. Um, it really gets deep into uh, my psyche uh, as a person because it goes from being upbeat to there's a track in there where I'm really screaming the word fuck <laughs> over and over again. Okay. Um, All right. It's on Spotify and iTunes, all kind of stuff. Uh, junior mm-hmm. under DTB. Um, it might be mixed in with some rapper who's also called DTB. So uh, so there's that on there. And then my girlfriend, Melanie Postman, makes music. I'm a guitar player. We're working on making a full band. But her stuff's also out there on uh, on Spotify, iTunes, kind of stuff. They're also under the label. So on iTunes or whatever, look up Melanie Postma. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Postman without the N at the end. Postma is a popular name around here. But I guess if you're not from Windsor, then maybe you wouldn't know like Postma. As a, yeah. 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 I guess it's also popular in Holland as well. I, oh, yeah. Probably. Yeah. But uh, she says she's country. I think it's I've more. I've heard it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's more like rock. Yeah, it's got a tinge of yeah. country to it. Then I have um, my band Case the Joint. Yes. Uh, rock and roll, just straight up rock and roll. Yeah. Uh, we have shows coming out, and uh, we have an EP up on Spotify, and iTunes, and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's mm-hmm. called Heist Music. Case the Joint Heist Music. Okay. And that's I think for music I make scores for theater, which I also have mm-hmm. up on the other as well. Uh, Narrowgate Media presents, and then uh, yeah. 
if you need business cards made, I also do that. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like you do a little bit of everything. And where can people like find you or get in contact with you? Do you want to share that? Or yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, on Facebook, Dave Nisbet. Yeah. Uh, that's the, you know just it's my personal account. You yeah. can go there or on Facebook through any of the other band things yeah. uh, that's basically the best way to contact me yeah. through yeah. for anything and uh, you know I do I do graphic design and I do music made I can work something out with you sure but uh yeah yeah so yeah. That's, that's I will tag it all I'll, I'll link everything the best I can and uh yeah you can also you know come back anytime because yeah thank you so much for taking the time today of course. and yeah I will be inserting your music into this too so oh, okay um and yeah thank you so much I hope you enjoyed that chat with Dave he's awesome his music is awesome you're gonna hear some more of it in a second but the next episode episode nine man that's crazy it will be out May 19th and I'll see you then
Say anything, say anything, say anything 